excited for all of you joining us on the other sides of tablets, computers, and, and phones all over the place. We kick off a brand new series today called It's Time, and I'm very excited about this because we're going to kick it off right. We've got a special treat for you this morning. Pastor Derek Dale is going to be here um, to bring the message and kick off this series where we're talking all about, about, about figuring out the rhythms of life and how there are moments in your life that God wants you to pursue something. And, and now is that moment. God has a time for you and that time is right now. But I'm excited to introduce to you a dear friend of mine. Pastor Derek and I have known each other for about 12 years. We worked together on staff at Daystar Church for a decade. And, uh, and he has done just about everything, every kind of ministry uh, capacity that you could be in. Pastor Derek has done it from, from student ministry to he actually oversaw our creative department. It, he was even the dean of a leadership college. I mean, the man has done it all. And just recently, he has been uh, in the role of a campus pastor because he's setting it up to launch. He and his wife, Nikki, they're going to launch a brand new life-giving church in Athens, Georgia, this time next year. So I'm so excited about that move. We are behind him, and we're supporting him. And so I want you to just give a big Five Stones Church welcome to Pastor Derek Dale. Come on. Thank you. Hey, let's give Jesus a hand. Come on, somebody. Is it Jesus good today? I'm so thankful to be here. I couldn't say, tell you enough how much I love your pastor. I love Pastor Tom, Pastor Deborah. They've been so special to me for so many years. And I just need you to know when I need to make a phone call, and Tom knows I'm not lying, this is true. He is at the top of that list. And all I can say is Pastor Tom picks up the phone, talks to me, encourages me, is walking through. He doesn't, uh, isn't just affected Alabama or he now here in Tennessee, but even in Athens, Georgia, he is already blessing people there. Can you let Pastor Tom, Pastor Deborah, I know she's not here today, but give them a hand clap, let them know their whole family. We just so honor you. Today we are kicking off this series called It's Time. And isn't it, <laughs> isn't it time for you to go all in with Jesus? I mean, there's a lot of things pulling on your time, but isn't today the best day for a new start to chase after the heart of God? See, God is calling us all on a spiritual journey, a walk with him, and we all have steps to take. Everybody has a step to take in the relationship with God. And sometimes 
We need some encouragement, and that's why this series is going to be so important uh, for you. So I want to encourage you to be here every single week as we look at different areas that we believe as a church. It is time to go to the next level and be the person that God has called you to be. Because God has a calling on your life. And he's called you to do great things. And today, I want us to jump into, at the very beginning of this series, looking at an area that the Bible talks a lot about. And it's an area that the disciples struggled with, and we still struggle with it today. But it is time to forgive. Now somebody, he's just like, whoo! I don't like to talk about forgiveness. That's so hard. And it was the same in the scripture. You know, the disciples witnessed so many cool things. So many amazing miracles. They saw blind eyes open. They saw dead people come alive again. They saw life-threatening storms stand still because of what? They saw, uh, 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 y'all, they saw a, a happy meal of fish and loaves, like, multiplied. It just made everybody happy that, was that day. They saw some incredible things. But there was only one thing that had them leaving say, hey, I'm going to need more faith. In fact, we, le- we le- learn about that in Luke chapter 17. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, even seven times in a day, and seven times in that day, returns to you and says, I repent. Will you forgive me? And the disciples are like, I'm going to need more faith. Can you not just feel the weight of that today? (laughs) I'm going to need a little bit more than what I've got. And today, I just got to tell you, it's time to forgive. It's time to take that step. Forgiveness is hard. It is hard. Can somebody say amen? It is hard. It's a place. You know how you know you know you need forgiveness? Is if there's a place in your life where you could say, I just don't care. I'm just over it. I'll just be honest with y'all. Yesterday, a lot of us were watching college football. And we felt, I'm over it. I just don't care. And then you went to sleep. And you woke up in the middle of the night still trying to figure out how you could win the East or West and the SEC. You know what I'm saying? I know you because you still do care. And a lot of times when we say, I need y'all to laugh right there because there's not a lot of funny. This is pretty hard today. Thank you. I love you. Isn't it, uh, isn't it so true that, for, that a lot of times when we say, I don't care, We actually still do. And there's been people that you said, I don't care. I'm over it. And really, you do care. And I want to tell you this. God cares. It's time. And I love that we're not the only ones who ever had to go through something like this. But in fact, the Bible shows us that there are people, uh, normal people, who dealt with the same thing, people we wouldn't think about who dealt with these kinds of problems. And in the book of Acts, we see uh, that the apostle Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, had a falling out with someone. He believed that. He had a disagreement. He had a chance to be offended. 
And we get to see that in the book of Acts, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. He turns to another believer, another Christian man. And he says, let's go back. And then these guys, they're like thick as thieves. They love one another. And they said, let's go back and, and, and do what, see how these churches we planted are doing. Let's go back and check it out. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John. Uh-oh. Someone say, uh-oh. His name was also called Mark with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him. Because he had deserted him. Paul remembered what had happened previously with Mark. And he was like, I don't think that's a good idea. And, had, and, and the Bible says in verse 39 that Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp disagreement. Woo! Now you can feel that, right? Have you ever had a sharp disagreement? <laughs> That's the Bible being nice. They had to fall it out. They did not agree. They had a great opportunity to be deeply offended, so they parted company. And they left one another. Now that is pretty intense. Do you know the Bible says in Luke that it is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, it's a guarantee that the opportunity to be offended will come in your life. Woo! Some of you are sitting next to the person you're offended by right now. No pointing. Right? It is so hard to not be offended at times. And we see in the scripture that it's real. But I've got good news. Someone say, good news, good news. Oh, if you're going to do it, do it right. Say, good news, good news. The good news is that when the worst happens to you, and if you have your outline, fill this in. When the worst happens to you, it can bring out the best God has in you. When the worst happens, and let me say it like this, in your relationships, it can actually bring out the best of what that relationship can be made of if it's in Jesus. Just because offense comes doesn't mean it has to be the destroyer of your relationships. Just because there's a sharp disagreement doesn't mean it has to be left there. And you do not have to live a life dependent on because there was a falling out that you remain trapped in unforgiveness. There is hope for us today. See, we need to understand that unforgiveness is a trap. <laughs> Any Star Wars fans? It's a trap. <laughs> it is. And in fact, if you look at your notes, offense is a trap from your enemy. It is a trap. Now, you know that if you're going to set a trap, if you're a hunter in the room today, I'm not, I know you look at me and you think athlete, hunter. No, I'm not. Okay. But, but I'll be honest with you. I do know this about hunting. If you're going to hunt, you want two things. You want something that's hidden, and you want something that's baited. And did you know that the enemy does those same two things with offense to trap you? 
He wants to trap you in a fence. And oftentimes, it's hidden and it's baited. Satan tries to incorporate these things as strategies. And it leaves deadly traps for us. Offense is, uh, is not so deadly as long as it stays in the trap. But when you get in there, and I, listen to me, look at me in the eye. Because we've all had this opportunity where you saw the trap. You saw the opportunity to be offended. And you could have walked away, but what do we do? Oh, this looks like a great opportunity to pick it up and to carry it and to feed on it and attach ourselves to it. And that is a trap. And it will keep you from God's best. Now, I had a friend. And he was in college, and he'd been through a hard time. So no judgment today, especially if this friend watches this back online. But this friend was in college, and he had kind of let his, he was a college guy. He wasn't cleaning a whole lot his house like he should have. And he was, his apartment rather. And he wasn't taking care of things like he should have. And he had, no judgment, a mouse infestation. That is crazy. One day I was over at his house and I was on the computer and I heard something at my feet. I was playing a game and I saw these two little hands come out from under. <laughs> I'm not even making this up, y'all. Come out from under, uh, from underneath the desk where I say it's a little mouse and it took off. And I was just realizing they're all around me. There was mice everywhere. It was nasty, okay? It was gross. So you know what he did? He called someone to take care of that problem. Now, I don't know what kind of traps they set, but I know this. They were baited, and they were deadly. And here's the thing. That, now, wouldn't it be ridiculous if you walked in, and you saw a mouse trap, and you saw me me, this person, me, down there on my knees, like trying to pick the cheese off the trap. That's ridiculous. That would never happen because that trap's not for me. I got to tell you this. The enemy knows how to set traps that are for you. And he baits them and he hides them in your life. And if we're not careful, they're deadly. An offense is a trap that he says the bible says it's impossible that we won't have opportunities to be offended you know why because you're dealing with people and we all mess up we all make a mistake we all hurt one another it's a trap when we choose to be offended you know what's the hardest part is oftentimes the closer the relationship, the worse the offense. How deep it hurts us and wounds us because of how close we are. The Bible even talks about this in Psalm 55. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, from whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked among the worshipers. In other words, he's saying, hey, I would expect it from my enemy, but it's you who I love who's hurt me. 
Now, as I say that, I know there are so many opportunities and offenses and places we need to choose forgiveness in this room. And I could not imagine all the hurt that you have been through. There's no way I could. But I know this. I've been through hurt too. And I know this, that it's not good for me to stay inside the trap. In fact, you know what's the scariest part? And here's the great news about today is that so scary is that oftentimes people who are offended don't even realize they're trapped. So the good news today is that God wants to let you know the places you've been trapped. Because he wants you to have freedom. See, offended people produce hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, envy. And the list goes on. And you can see it in your own life. Uh, And the most effective way to keep you in the trap is for you to stay focused only on you. The enemy wants to keep your attention on what happened to you, how wrong it was, how bad it is, how wrong they are, how you need to get revenge. This is the trap of the enemy, and he wants to keep you there. But you and me, we have to get our focus off of ourselves. We have to stop thinking things that lead us into offense. You know, offense, we got the focus on ourselves. We just walk into it, don't we? Well, no one likes me. No one likes my ideas. They think I'm ugly anyway. They don't even want to be around me. No one talked to me at that church. No one invited me to their small group. They did not say hello at the front door. We give all these reasons, right? And we're walking into a trap. But you know what the problem is? We kept the focus on us. And God wants us to lift our heads and our eyes and look out to what God is doing in your life and in the world around you to get your eyes off this trap. It's a trap! Number two, offense builds a fence around you. When you fall into the trap of offense, you will notice that you become isolated because it's all about you anyway. You start pushing people away. You start fighting those who try to love you. This is what happens when we're in offense. And there's two kinds of scenarios that I've narrowed it down to that where we find ourselves getting offended. We get offended in two categories at two kinds of people. We get offended at those who have treated us unjustly. And we get offended at those who we think have treated us unjustly. Isn't that right? That's where all offense comes back to. Either they have treated me unjustly and I'm offended, or I think they treated me unjustly and I choose to become offended. But it's a trap. And it will build a fence around you and separate you from people that love you and separate you. From the goodness that God has for you. It will build a fence around you. I remember when I was uh, uh, college age, I was like 22. I know y'all thought I was 22 today, but I'm a little older now. And uh, something about the hair, it gives it away. And I was 22. And there was this uh, uh, spiritual lady who was coming into town and visiting my church. 
And I'd heard so many great things about her love for God and the amazing things she had experienced. She'd been all over the world. She'd preach in front of thousands. And I was so excited to meet her. And I got to meet her, and I remember coming up to her, putting out my hand, and just so excited to meet her. And have you ever met somebody? And you're like, that did not go like I thought it was going to go. I don't think they like me much. She did not like me, which I still don't understand. I'm very likable. But she just did not like any of Derek D. None of it. <laughs> no, no Derek Dale at all. She did not like me. And she was just not a fan. And I just remember trying to like, like I just, it just felt off. And I'm kind of like a people pleaser, honestly, recovering, you know, people pleaser. And I just tried so hard to make her like me. And Pastor Tom, it would not work. She just did not like me. And in fact, she started saying some really harsh things. At 22, I didn't even recognize how not okay it was. But there were some harsh things, like I had gotten diagnosed around that age uh, at a, with Bell's palsy. It's, it's kind of funny because I got diagnosed a few years ago too, but the, well, the first time I got diagnosed, and so half of my face had just stopped working. And so like, it was, it was almost as if you've seen a stroke victim, it's something similar, but one of these nerves stops working, so half of your face just shuts down is the simplest way I can describe it. And so I kind of looked like a little different, just being honest. It was something that could take, it took almost a year to heal itself. And I remember seeing her right after that happened and crying because I was so emotional about it, so upset about it. And her response to me was, well, who have you been talking bad about that God would do this to you? And I remember carrying that on me. Now, I'll be honest with you. Ah, that would, it would really hurt me, offended me. But my response was to take hold of that offense. I would say she treated me unjustly, but I took hold of that offense. And for a long time, I ate on it. And I looked up at one point in my life and I was isolated and all alone. Now, I also remember just a few years later that I was a, a student worker and there were some things about my character that were not matching what I was saying on a platform. Now, nothing super crazy, but I just wasn't, I was not listening to something my youth pastor had asked me to do. In fact, I was lying about it and doing the opposite. And my youth pastor came to me and he said, Derek. I know what you've been doing. And he loved me. He was like a second dad. He was the best man in my wedding. And he said, Derek, you haven't been listening. I'm like 24 at the time. He's like, you have not been. And so because of that, there has to be consequences. Because of that, there has to be a separation, a punishment for a little while. And we need to get you back into what God wants for your life. I need you to listen in this area. And I walked away from that meeting so mad. So offended, how dare he? But did you know that actually he was just trying to help me? See, all offense comes down to either being treated unjustly or thinking that you've been treated unjustly. But the result is the same. It leaves you feeling alone. It leaves you 
in a bad place. And the truth is, we can't carry the spirit of offense and still be in the spirit of unity. The spirit of unity is often referred to as the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And I cannot, let me say it this way, I can't be a lover of Jesus and be a hater of the people that he loves. Even if they wronged me. Even if they did me wrong. I can't do that. See, number three, offense comes from a lack of genuine love for one another. John 13 says, your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. Not the messages you preach, not the miracles you perform, not the worship you have or how good you are, not the job title in front of your name, not how much money or resources you can give. What will prove to the world that you're my disciples? The love you have for one another. And it's that love that we have to choose. Paul and Barnabas chose it. Remember, they had a sharp disagreement, a falling out. We see later in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 9 and 6 that after some time from separating from Barnabas, Paul refers to Barnabas as a fellow worker who shares his life and labor. We also see in 2 Timothy, Paul instructing Timothy uh, uh, to, to go and to get uh, to help um, uh, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark, the one that the whole thing was all about. Get Mark and bring him to me. He is useful in serving the Lord. We see that Paul's heart, he did not carry that offense that he could have. And we also see both Paul and Barnabas continued their life as missionaries and disciples. Because they did not choose to stay in the trap of offense. Instead, they chose love and not a normal love. The Bible talks to us about different kinds of love. The first is what we would call a phileo love. And this is truly how most people live. In this kind of love, this love says, I know I said phileo, and some of you are like, ooh, fillets, I like that. No, not today. Phileo means, hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You be kind to me, I'll be kind to you. Now, if you're honest, that's how most of us operate. They're nice to me, I'm nice to them. And that is a form of love. But then there is a radical love. A deeper love that the Bible calls agape. And this is the love that no matter what you do, I've chosen to love you. <laughs> no matter how you treat me, I'm not offendable because I love you. I'll go past the attempts you have to offend me to choose to love you. And this is the love we receive through Jesus Christ. Jesus displayed this agape love in the greatest hour of his need. His closest friends deserted him. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. The rest of them fled for their lives. Only John followed from a distance, from afar. Jesus had cared for them for three years. He had fed them, taught them, loved them, poured out his life for them. Yet as he needed them the most and he was 
go and to forgive the sins of the world. Jesus released all of them from this, even the friends who deserted him and the Roman guard who crucified him. And he said that he did not hold it against them. The Bible says that while we were enemies of God, he was our friend, that it was in the place of our sin is when he died for us. He chose agape love. Now put your hands together. Isn't the love of God awesome? It's awesome. And it is powerful. That agape love is more powerful than you know. In fact, in your outline it says, agape love empowers us to forgive fully. It is the only way that you can forgive fully and completely. The Bible says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Let me say it like this. The forgiven, forgive. When you have experienced this kind of love, you can forgive. A love that says, I know that you owe me. I know that you did me wrong, but I am going to choose to make your balance zero. It doesn't mean that I have to be your best friend. It doesn't mean that I have to stay in a relationship that was unhealthy or even abusive. And I know that there's some of that things that have happened with all these people in this room, stories that like if you start telling your story because you think, oh, this is good. And like 90% of it's great. But my story is different, Derek. And you know what? Maybe your story is different. And if I heard it, I'd probably be like, yeah, I hate them too. That's how I'd feel. But you know what I know? Offense is a trap. And agape love sets you free. And people who've had the worst done to them, like Jesus, were able to forgive, to take our balances down to zero, even though we owed them. See, it has absolutely nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you. Jesus paid it all. And now what? All to him I owe. Right? We owe. We have, we have owed him so much. This is the least that we could do. Is to choose forgiveness. My advice is that we must deal with our offenses quickly. Otherwise, small things become big deals. And you might think, I can't do that. <laughs> It's so hard to do. You've been so quick to get offended, quick to gossip, quick to isolate, quick to get into your shell and hide. But I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give you a supernatural love and you to recognize how much forgiveness you've received that you're quickly able to forgive. Praying and forgiving those you love is sincerity. Praying and forgiving those who deeply have hurt you is maturity. And God is calling us, y'all, it's time. It's time to forgive. Because number two, agape lovers covers a multitude of sin. Above all, the Bible says, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And I just got to tell you, it does every time. 
you can, listen, what holds most people back is because they're waiting for the moment for that person to come and say, I'm sorry, I forget. You don't have to wait on them. This is about you. And I'm telling you, your love covers a multitude of sin, and God's love's covered a multitude of sin in your own life. And in the same way, when you choose to forgive, you might not know where it's going, but the harvest will come from the seeds of forgiveness you sow. And you might not see it immediately, but I'm telling you, it will be returned to you. It frees you more than ever. The Bible teaches us that this is the way. Did you know I'm, that right now in New Zealand, 43% of the birds can't fly? Random fact. Did you know that? 43% of the birds can't fly in New Zealand. You know why? Because there are no predators in New Zealand. There's hardly anything there to hurt them. And because there's no hurt, they never develop the strength to fly. I'm telling you that the places you've been hurt the most and deeply offended are the very places that God is building strength inside of you to soar, to bring glory to God. It's those places. A spirit of offense will never let you go. You have to let it go. You have to let it go. Agape love strengthens us to go first. Stop waiting for them to come. In fact, choose to go first. That seems crazy. That seems so hard. We have to choose to go first. Listen to me, everybody. Every Look at me, look at me, look at me. I know that it's painful. I know that it hurts. I know that I don't fully understand. And no one does. Except Jesus. But let me tell you this. There's hope for you. And God can give you his supernatural love empowerment to go first. You've been waiting for them to come. They might not come. No reason for you to stay trapped waiting on them. There's no more reason to stay trapped waiting on them. Can I just be who might not ever come and say, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. I'm sure it wasn't even your fault. But God loves you. And he understands. And he endured so you didn't have to stay locked up in a fence. He broke the chains so you set free. Christ went first and now he's calling us to be Christians little Christ and go first stop waiting choose to forgive. Here's what I can tell you that the first to forgive are the happiest how do I know that? The Bible says blessed are the peacemakers now that word blessed actually means go look this up, it actually means happy not happy because, oh, I had a good day. Oh, my team won. I'm happy. But a, a happiness that comes from a peace, a happiness that means beyond circumstance, beyond internally, beyond externally, a deep-rooted 
happiness, a deep-rooted joy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. There's two C's, and I'm wrapping up here. Two C's in um, the Holy Land. And I got to visit there a few years ago. And when I was there, uh, the first sea is the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee for it receives water and it gives out water. It is an abundance of life there. There's nurturing, there's all kinds of fish and plant life. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful, y'all. And then we went from there to the Dead Sea. Now the Dead Sea uh, gets its water by way of the Jordan River. And even though the water is coming from the Sea of Galilee that has all that life, it goes into the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea only receives and it doesn't give. And because of that, it's literally called the Dead Sea. It's death, decay, and life can't happen there. And this is a picture of our lives. Those who receive and give Yes. 